The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Baptist Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. You may be seated again. We are going to do the last of three quick little messages from the book of Galatians. And uh, the passage I want to read today, if, if you can follow along, I think it would be helpful. So I'll try to give you a moment if you, want, if you don't have a Bible and you want to poke that in on your phone here, Galatians chapter 5, so you can follow along. If not, you want to uh, listen carefully. Just a great text. We're actually going to overlap with a little bit that we looked at last week. And um, I'm going to pick it up, verse number 13 of Galatians chapter 5. You ready? Not yet. You got it? Galatians is in the New Testament somewhere after other books. What's it after? Second Corinthians? Yeah, good. I got it. It's that far. There you go. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13 begins with these words. For you have been called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. feel like I need to read that again. That's good stuff. For you have been called to freedom. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's actually seven words, but I get the idea. But if you bite and devour. By the way, the imagery there is very much like a dog fight. He says, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say to you, verse number uh, 18 there, 16, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. There's a conflict there. For those who oppose, for those are opposed to each other to keep you doing from doing the things you want to do. If you are an underliner, those last three words there are the things you want to do. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But there's this battle going on, and they're trying to keep you from doing the things that you actually want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, verse number 18, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And in case we didn't hit you with any of those, none of those are, are uh, struggles and things like that. Okay, let's throw pride in there. Different things like that. Uh, I warn you, as I warn you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If that is where your desires are, your most, innermost desires, good sign that you, you don't have the Lord. But the fruit of the Spirit is this. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. It died to the things that Jesus died, died to or died for. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Oh, that's good. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying, and envying one another. Now, remember, the chapter divisions are not inspired. So Paul went on to write in the same grain of thought. I'm not going to read it, but if you were to skim through the beginning of chapter 6, he goes on there and he talks about the way that we're supposed to be treating each other. Okay? 
He said, remember before he said, we don't want to be devouring, we don't want to be biting and killing each other, we don't want to be ripping each other apart. But hey, what are we supposed to do? If you look at chapter 6, we're supposed to bear each other's burdens, we're supposed to help out somebody who's weak, we're supposed to lift them up. So it's a total uh, contrast there. And really, throughout this passage, we see a great conflict between the living in the flesh and living in the spirit. Now, some places in the scripture where you see the word flesh, it actually means flesh like someone's going to eat the flesh of something or, or whatever like that. But in many cases in the New Testament, when you see the word flesh, I thought, you know, how could I explain that very well? I came up with a three-word definition that I think is great. I came across, and it is this, me without God. That's the flesh. Okay, it says we're either going to live without God, just on our own, or we are going to live in the Spirit. And try to figure that out. So there are these two paths that we can take. The first uh, that we need to analyze there and look at is the path of the flesh. And the path of the flesh, if we could kind of visualize it like this, we're going to look at another path to take the right path. If you want to say the highway that goes right down the middle, the path of the Spirit, we're going to look at that. But if you're not following the path of the Spirit, if you're not walking in His ways, we're going to look at the idea that you can go off in either direction. Okay, one of the ways that sometimes we go off is in the direction of rebellion. The verse said, don't use our freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want. Okay, don't use it to gratify the flesh. I'm just going to, it's my life, I'll do what I want. That's one way to get off this path of following the Spirit. The other way, though, is the path of religion, where we jump into self-righteousness. And what we've looked at throughout the book of Galatians is this idea of, you know, somehow, sometimes we get so caught up in uh, you know, our rules and everything like that, and we think those are the answer, and we're trying to keep God happy with us, and we're trying to think that somehow we're earning our standing with God. So we go down that path. So we either go down the path of religion uh, leading to self-righteousness or the path of rebellion that leads to unrighteousness, and we go, and uh, I don't know about you, do you have, you have uh, are, are your kids different than each other? I don't mean are your kids different. Yeah, mine are really different. Uh, but are they different than each other? We have two kids, one is the ultimate rule keeper. She always was. I, I remember one time, we're, we're taking a little family walk around the lakes at Notre Dame, and they were doing a little construction work there of some kind or another, and there was a pile of dirt, and in that pile of dirt was a rock. And my wife looked, I mean, just a you know, rock, you know, probably about this size at the biggest. And my wife wanted that rock for some craft or something like that. She said, I could use that rock. I mean, just a pile of, and uh, so uh, I went over there and picked up the rock and took it home. We're halfway home. My daughter's crying in the back seat because we stole the rock from Notre Dame. She was so, you got a kid like that? You know, and then when they learn to drive, Kenny Avon teaches them all the rules, and they're telling you, uh, you didn't put on your turn signal uh, proper distance before that turn. You know, that they have to have every rule down, and they know, and they love, and they gravitate towards that. I got a kid like that. They gravitate towards the rules. I also have a kid who... Uh, Went the other way a little bit. Uh, you know, I was one of these parents, you know, you know, I gave him the old speech. You're, you're to be home at 9. 9 does not mean 9.01. 9 does not mean 9 in 15 seconds. 9 means 9. Type of parent everybody loves, of course. And uh, I would give him that speech. Sure enough, the first time, 9.05. 
Oh, I thought I was close enough. <laughs> he thought wrong. Uh, but we have one that go, you know, leans one direction and one goes the other. And sometimes we think, well, which one is worse? I don't know that you could say that either is worse. I think they're both wrong. They're both off the path. They both lead to devouring. We got one that looks at the other people and says, ah, you're just unspiritual because you do this, this, and this, and you're wicked. And with the other one turning around and looking back and saying, I don't really see the love of Christ in you at all. And we get devouring each other. You know, that's the mark of life in the flesh. Jesus told a great story that illustrates these two different paths. Uh, the story you might remember in uh, Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. I don't know if you know that or not, but the prodigal is the one that uh, he says, uh, I want my inheritance now. And he goes off and he does whatever he wants to do. He parties hardy. Okay, and then he, then he looks at himself and he says, uh, you know, okay, I've made a mess of it. And he comes back, and when he comes back to his father, his father greets him with grace and openness. But he's got an older brother who's been doing, playing by the rules all the time, and he's ticked. Uh, so we see in one uh, external sins that lead to bondage into sin, and we see in other uh, internal sins that lead to bondage by the law. I don't think that either one is really where we want to go. And then both end up, again, fighting and devouring, and we end up at that place. You see, one of the things that, ha you know, sometimes we have the idea, well, if you have to pick between the two, you know, let's go with the religious route instead of the rebellious route. But again, I don't want us to pick between the two. I, just want us, I don't want us to go that way. Because religion and the religious people are often offended by grace. And if we don't do grace, then we don't do relationships. Let me say that again because I read that this week and I thought, you know, I think that's really true. If we don't do grace, if we're not about grace, then we're not really going to do relationships. We're not really going to build a strong community of people if we can't receive grace and if we can't offer them grace because we're just not perfect. So, uh, and we need those relationships. So, whichever way you go, whichever uh, way you get off of that right path, we got a burden here. So we want to make sure that we are striving to live on this path, walk on this path, follow this path that is the what we'll call the path of the Spirit. Not about religion, because rules don't produce righteousness. Not about rebellion, because that's going to lead to selfishness. But it is about the power, the person, the presence of the Holy Spirit. You remember the old days when the school janitor had this giant key ring? You know what I'm talking about? You know, if you've ever seen old movies or anything like that, of course, that's before my time. Uh, but he had this giant key ring, and whenever you called the janitor, he had to find the key, you know, because it's multiple keys, and, and uh, he has to try 16 different keys before he finally gets it. Of course, now we don't have that. We have what we call a master key. And uh, that's the one that fits everything. And you gotta, once you get a hold of that, boy, you're in that position of power. You, you have that. But realize if we could think about the Holy Spirit as far as the Christian life goes as being the master key. That's what it's about is walking in the Spirit. That's the thing that gets us into all these, these other things. So following him in, the, in that way, as we explore that, I'd like to take a moment, first of all, and just, just uh, remember who it is that we're talking about here. Uh, understanding that uh, one led to rebellion, the other le leads to uh, 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 religion, but the path of spirit leads to a relationship. But let's talk about the spirit himself for a second. Uh, the Mormon church teaches that the Holy Spirit is separate from God. The Jehovah's Witness teaches that he is not a person. The, Islam teaches that it's blasphemy to even believe in the Holy Spirit. Christianity teaches us and what the Bible teaches us is that we have one God in three persons. Now, it's 
little bit hard for me to wrap my mind around all the time, but that is the teaching that we have one God who exists in three persons. And there's a few things we want to remember just in talking about him, and one is that he is a who, he is not a what. The Bible clearly talks about him being a person, talks about the different emotions uh, that he has, the different things that he does. It talks about him in a very personal sense. Therefore, we can have a relationship with him uh, who is a person. It talks about that he is the creator, not the created. Okay, some have the idea, no, wait a minute, when Jesus went to heaven, then he created the Holy Spirit to come back. No, Genesis chapter 1 is where we first meet the Holy Spirit. He has always existed and always will. He was there in, in creation. He is eternal Uh, just in every way, fully God. He is not somebody that is, uh, that we want to control or we want to lead. Uh, He is not designed just to be like a servant of us, but he is to be our guide. He's not a genie in a bottle. He is not a power to somehow harness. He is the holy God and he is to be followed. I should add one other thing I don't have a place for in the notes. He is not a visitor, but he is a resident. The Bible talks about the fact that he takes up permanent residence in our life. That's why we don't look at this building and say, oh, this is the dwelling place of God. We look right here and say, this is the dwelling place of God. God's Spirit resides in those who believe in Jesus Christ and call on him as Savior. And God takes up residence there. That's the person to whom we're talking about. Let's, let's, uh, let's continue and understand this. Verse number 17 has a phrase that I told you you might want to mark. Uh, it says, we have this battle going on, and this battle keeps us from doing what it is that we want to do. For when we are in Christ, the Bible teaches that we will have a different set of desires. And this gets back into the whole identity thing, you know, who we are in Christ, what he has done. Uh, But that identity is the key to unlocking our destiny when we really understand that. And let me ask you, do you see yourself as in sin or do you see yourself as in Christ? Over 200 times in the New Testament, the phrase in Christ appears, talking about those who trusted in Christ, that now they have become in Christ. That's who we are. The the Bible says that if we are in Christ, we are a new creature. So I would ask you, and I, you know, to, to really think about, are you a new creature? Well, I don't really feel like it much, but what does the Scripture say? I've trusted in Jesus. I know him as my Savior, so therefore I am a new creature. And we understand that now our deepest desires are to follow him. That's why the Scripture says that... Uh, These things are warring to try to keep us from what we really want to do. God is interested in changing our appetite. Back, uh, I think it was in February this past year, my my father-in-law had sent us for Christmas um, a care care package, I guess. A cooler comes from uh, Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks. He's done this the last two years. Really not a bad gift. You get a couple steaks. You get a couple of uh, pork chops that were actually pretty good. You get some little pear tartlets. They're not bad. Uh, it, was, it was really not a bad gift. I think it's the best gift we ever got from him, actually, was the, the first year. Now, this last year when it came, I think he must have thought, ah, that last year was a little bit too expensive. We must have got a little cheaper version. It did have two steaks, but then it had two hot dogs in it. But my, my wife was like, oh, these must be good hot dogs, you know, from all that. So we had, you know, we're having hot dogs, but they're going to be good hot dogs. And I remember, you know, I, and I cooked them on the grill, and I ate them, and, and this is a night that will live in my memory for quite a while because about 10 o'clock at that night, I thought, something ain't right. 
<laughs> it just, something ain't right. And I went ahead and went to bed at about 11 o'clock. I got up and went on, on the couch. And I am, my wife can amen if she wants, I am the world's worst sick patient. I'm, I'm a moaner. Ah, I'm sick, you know, so I'm out there and I'm yelling, Francis, Francis, give me a bucket. Uh, and uh, spent that night uh, just in, uh, reliving the hot dogs. Uh, experiencing them over and over again. Now, some of you know where I'm going with this. Once you have relived a hot dog like that, it is a real long time before you want to eat another hot dog. You, you, just, you just hate it. In fact, about two weeks ago, I ate a hot dog for the first time. I struggled through it, but I managed to eat a hot dog because I was like, every time my wife would say, you want to have hot dogs, I'd be like, no. <laughs> just, you have that memory, that taste, that bad taste. What the, the Bible says the Spirit does is he actually changes our desires. He gives us so, so yes, we're still tempted, and yes, we still do these things sometimes that we don't want to do. Romans chapter 7, great passage to look up where the Apostle Paul talks about that. He says, the things I want to do, too often I don't do the things. I don't want to do uh, too often too often I do he talks about this battle but it's that idea that God is working to change our desires and to be honest with you first John gives us this too that one of the big tests of whether or not we are even in Christ is if our innermost or our yeah our deepest desires are to follow him and do what is right and I think most of the people in this room would say something man there's always something I'd like to do better you know I want to do better I want this but you know I, I girl but, but I want to tell you that is a real good sign is that you want that, is that you want him, you want to do what's right, because he is the Spirit of God alive in us, is changing our desires. Something else that's important as we talk about life in the Spirit is that we develop a dependence upon him. Dependence leads to surrender. The very first words in Jesus' first sermon uh, on the mount, he preached, he, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who realize their bankruptcy, those who realize that they need God. John chapter 15, the uh, first 12 or 15 verses would be great to read just as we realize that the Scripture says, without Him we can do nothing. If we could really grasp a hold of that, I recommend a couple of different books you might want to look at. Uh, Francis Chan has a book called uh, The Forgotten God about the Holy Spirit. Great pretty easy read and might help you just remember that each day I need him as part of my life. Um, Craig Rochelle has a book called The Christian Atheist where he just talks about how often we are living in the flesh. The Christian Atheist because yes I'm a Christian now like I'm living like there is no God. And we want to get to a place where we're beginning our days we're realizing in our life I need him. Oh I need him. Every hour I need him. Are we getting that idea that I need the Holy Spirit of God? He is real. He is alive. He is in my life. I need to develop a dependency and a, a walking with him. I needed a D, so I wrote the word dessert. But what I'm talking about here is the fruit that comes uh, from this. And I want to make sure we understand that that's exactly what the Scripture says. It says it is fruit. It is not something that we are to produce. He goes through and he lists the, the uh if you want to call it like this, the fruit of the flesh, these things that uh, the, the flesh produces in several different categories, sexual sin and spiritual sin and uh, social sin. And then again, he says, et cetera, and things like this kind of includes everything. But he says, these things are no longer our deepest desire. Yes, we'll be tempted to do these things, but they are not our deepest desire. For God is a relational God, and his spirit is alive in, in us. And he not only tells us what to do, but he tells us how to do it, and he helps us do it. He is the parent who is running along beside us as we're learning to ride our bicycle, holding the seat. And uh, we might not even always realize there, but he's there right with us, and, he, and he's helping us. The only difference is he never lets go. 
Remember that time when you look back and realize mom or dad weren't, weren't there anymore? <laughs> Maybe they fell, but uh, they weren't there anymore. But, but he is the one who never lets go. Uh, he is that one who is going uh, with us, helping us. But if you see here, and if we just kind of look at this whole story, so if we are going down this path of the flesh, whether it be religiously or rebelliously, we're going down that path, it is going to lead to fighting and devouring and tearing each other out. But the life in the Spirit, if you follow the verses we looked at it, it says, hey, when we walk in the Spirit, it's all summarized in this idea of loving each other as ourselves. And then we get into chapter 6, and it tells you how to do this and care about other people. And here we are helping each other and strengthening each other and building each other we're not devouring each each other um, I was talking to a friend this week she had a good friend I'm thinking I don't know about the age of Pastor James that had been in ministry his whole life grown up in ministry and and stayed stayed in ministry who just was dropping out and I, and I was like okay you know maybe that's what God has for him but uh, you know why why is he dropping out and and uh, I, I asked my friend, I said, why do you think it is? Why do you think sometimes ministry is so hard? And this applies to those who are paid in ministry. Uh, you know, I'm a Christian, professional Christian, or, or those who are, are not. Why is it sometimes so hard? And she, she had a good answer. She said, because Christians are mean. <laughs> and sad to say, but that is often the truth. This voice, this voice, I'm sorry, this verse that talks about them devouring and fighting, everything like that. That's what happens when we get on the path of the flesh, when we're relying in our own good works, when we're relying on ourselves, or when we're saying, it doesn't matter, I can do whatever the stink I want. Uh, we go down one of those paths, we're going to end up devouring each other. But the path of the Spirit leads us into it leads us into these fruits of the Spirit and the way that we're treating other people. The more I it, These are not things I'm supposed to work on and say, i got to develop love in my life and peace in my life. These are things that as I walk in him and follow him he develops and he produces in our lives this is awesome okay now i'm gonna i want you to follow my thinking here for a second i'm going to show a movie clip for a minute i think i showed it before several years ago it's from a movie called the truman show i, I just think this would be a good way to, to wrap up our thinking on on, on this uh, some of you might remember the truman was the ultimate reality show which was actually had no reality in it at all, which is what reality shows are. But uh, he had, uh, it, they take a baby, and uh, this is a movie about this. They take him as a baby, and uh, they create this whole world for him. He actually lives in a dome. Everybody in his life, his mom, his dad, everybody is an actor. And he's just in this world the whole time. Well, at the end of the movie, he finally figures out <laughs> uh, that uh, something's wrong here, and he decides to escape. He gets on a boat, and he heads off into the sea. Now, the sea is, has a painted view of the you know, horizon that he heads towards. And at this point in the movie, he has just crashed into the end of it, okay? The part is played by Jim Carrey, okay? But he has been in this world. I want you to pay attention. He's going to have a conversation with the director of the show. And I want you to pay attention to three questions that Jim Carrey asks him as we go.
talk to him. Listen to me, Truman. There's no more truth. Three questions that he asked. He says, first of all, who are you? Most important question we'll answer, ask in our lives is what we believe about God. We're going to begin next week. We're going to look at a series and look at some of the characteristics of God that are unique to him. I think it'll be incredibly helpful and practical that we, that we know what we believe about God. Most important question. Second question, who am I? What do I believe about myself? What do I believe about myself without Christ? That I am a sinner in need of a Savior. What do I believe about myself in Christ? We've been talking about this idea of our identity in Him and how important that is. The third question is, what is real? Now, allow me for just a second to be a psychology professor or something like that or philosophy or something. I don't know what I am, but, but I'm going to be good at it. You can, okay, since I don't know what it is. Uh, but the... Uh, but when you talk about what is real, the, let, let's, let's have a narrow road here again down the middle or the right road, the high road that you want to be on, and let's talk about off to either side. There are some people, when you talk about what is real, they kind of go off the deep end. They say, you know, the only things that are real are the things that you can touch, taste, feel. That's the only thing that's real. Okay, they're naturalists. If I can't touch it, it's not real. Okay, don't tell me. Now, to be extreme on the other side, you say, no, the only thing that is real are, is the spirit world, spiritualist. This is not real. It only hurts my shin when I walk into it because it's all, all in my head. <laughs> Strangely enough, the star of the show, Jim Carrey, he went way off the deep end in this direction. I've seen interviews with him where he'll, he'll tell the, it doesn't matter what you think because you're not real. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, uh, like that. But nothing over here is real uh, except for the spirit world. Nothing over here is real except for the natural world. The philosophy that goes down the middle is actually called the supernatural. Because we believe that both are real. In Colossians chapter 1, the Bible says that God created the visible things of the earth and the invisible things of the earth. They are both real. But what I want to, in wrapping this idea up of this spiritual life, what I want to call your attention to, what I want to draw your focus to, is this idea right here. That we learn to focus on the supernatural. Because I think far too, too often... We miss the reality of the unseen realm. Okay, that sounded pretty deep there. But it's like we miss the spirit. It's like we don't understand that this is something, that, you know, so we're satisfied. Um, I could be satisfied with doing the best I can as far as preaching a sermon, keeping you entertained, keeping you informed, and, you know, like that. I could be satisfied. Say, hey, that was a pretty good day. I rely totally on my natural abilities. 
Or I can be dependent upon the Holy Spirit who is the only one who can really impact and change lives. So we're not playing a game anymore, but we're desiring that the supernatural is happening. We are living, uh, looking for, we are praying for, uh, we're, trying, we're asking for, uh, we're longing for the supernatural in our lives. As individuals, as a church, we begin to look for this. We are not content with improvements to building and attendance and even offering or anything like that and say, oh, hey, the church is doing well. But we're looking not to have a, a religion that's made by man, but a redemption that's made by God be so evident in people's lives uh, that we're seeing people come and trust Jesus on a regular basis. Now that's supernatural, okay? Isn't that what we want to long for, look for, hope for? Isn't it the supernatural? Isn't that what we want to see that this, that this, you know, that we're not limited to just what we could see, man? To see pre people experience the freedom that the Scripture talks about, that it talked about in this text, to have them really know that freedom. Okay, you know, we use a term in Christianity that it's not a bad term, and sometimes I feel sad that I mock things. But have you ever heard the term rededication? You know, I got. I got, uh, came to Christ when I was a teenager. I rededicate my life here, and 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 then I rededicate my Now, I don't really mean to mock that except to say this. For many people, rededication is simply telling God, I'm going to try harder again. That's all it is. And then we try it again, and then we fall again, and then we rededicate again, and then we try it again, and then we mess up again, and then we rededicate again. Wouldn't it be awesome to see this transformational power work in our lives where that, ch that change really takes place? Wouldn't it be great to have marriages where we're not hanging on, and while well, I'm committed, I'm going to stay in there, but, but to watch the transformational work of the Holy Spirit in a, mar in a marriage where we're not surviving, but we're thriving, and where these fruits of the Spirit are becoming so evident that uh, it's, it transforms our families? where the fruits of the Spirit are becoming so evident that people at work are looking and saying, you know what, that, that person loves like I've never seen anybody know how to love before. That person has a peace like I've never seen before. You know, it's not just that they're happy and giddy and stupid. They've got a joy that I don't understand, but that they begin to see this because there's something supernatural going on in our lives. And because of that, they see this fruit and they say, hey, you know what? Just like people were drawn to Jesus, they're drawn to us because we're like Jesus. And they begin to get saved. And we begin to see this powerful, supernatural working of the Spirit. Are we satisfied too easily with less? I, I, I really think that, that, off, often, uh, that often we are. I... Uh, I'm going to ask uh, David and, and uh, the rest of the team to come on up. We're going to sing that and do it again again. Now, I know it's Labor Day weekend, so the spirit can't work, right? <laughs> Isn't that almost the mindset? Yeah, oh, we'll, we'll survive. We'll, we'll make it through. I've really just been praying that, uh, that this would increasingly become our passion. Again, not just, not just as far as the church goes, but as far as individuals and our lives and everything like that. I think... So, you know, so often that we just get sucked back in and we're drawn to the pathway of the flesh. And if I can give you that three-word definition again, the flesh means me without God. I might be behaving myself pretty well. I might be behaving myself lousy. But it's me without God. I don't want to live like that. I don't want us to live like that. I don't want to waste our time with that. I want to see the supernatural. I want to pray, God, would you do it again? And we know he's powerful, right? Let's do it again. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg.
For more information about the church, you can visit our website, cbcedwardsburg.com. You may also contact the church via email, info at cbcedwardsburg.com, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.